Welcome to Rams Up, your weekly L.A. Rams podcast, bi-weekly during the season. We are a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We'll cover other SoCal sports items of interest, but we're mostly about your Los Angeles Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans, to episode 55 of Rams Up. We'll get into some follow-up news from this past weekend of NFL football. We have a little bit of news from college football and some local sports news. We'll follow that up with our Rams-Jags preview, our power rankings, and our game picks. And we'll wrap things up with a special sports pet peeve segment. We get five for the price of one. Five golf pet peeves. I could do golf pet peeves endlessly every episode. I don't want to do that, though. I'm going to hammer you with five this episode. Let's look at snap counts from last week real quickly. Van Jefferson and OBJ both out there for 98% of the offensive snaps. Aaron Donald out there for 99% of the snaps on the defensive side of the ball. He missed one snap. Greg Gaines missed six snaps. Ashan Robinson missed 45 snaps. Maurice Copeland had four snaps. And no other defensive lineman had more than one snap. That may be a little confusing, all these numbers I'm throwing at you. But what it's telling me is the Rams are content to run a two defensive lineman set out there on a pretty regular basis. This is quite a change. And they are asking a lot of Aaron Donald and Greg Gaines. Hopefully they can hold up. This is not the way they have used Donald in the past. He was very regularly getting blows for an entire series of downs. Now he's out there for virtually the entire game. Be nice if one of these younger defensive linemen stepped up and started producing. Rams apparently do not have a lot of confidence in some of them. Dante Dion was out there for 70% of the defensive snaps. No Robert Rochelle and no David Long. So Dion is impressing and getting the snaps. There's a Cam Akers video out, and if you saw it, very promising. He looks good to go. I I know he isn't, but he looked great. You'd never know he's coming back from a severe injury. I think we may be seeing him sooner rather than later. If you're hunting that down, I think it was on Instagram that I saw it, but pretty cool workout video. And sad news, Otis Anderson Jr., the running back that was with the Rams this summer, trying to earn a roster spot as an undrafted free agent, killed, shot by his own father. Apparently, Anderson's girlfriend had a dog in the house that bit his father. Dad became enraged, a fight ensued, and ended in him killing his son, Otis Anderson, dead shot by his own father. Pretty sad. Checking in on some NFC West rivals. The Niners will be traveling to Seattle this week. Debo Samuel and Fred Warner are both out week to week with injuries. So that breathes a little bit of life into the Seahawks chances. I still think the Niners will win that. Seahawks, man, they are really in disarray. And remember, they traded a first round draft pick for a safety, Jamal Adams. Uh, Jamal Adams is a great player. I don't know why you're giving up that much draft equity for any safety, but that pick with the Jets now is up to number five in next year's draft. 
Last episode, I mentioned that USC had hired Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma. It's indisputable he's one of the top five coaches in the country. This is a great hire, a real coup for USC and the Pac-12. This could mean more California recruits stay in state, specifically with USC. And five-star quarterback Malichi Nelson, he decommitted from Oklahoma very quickly, and now he has committed to USC. He's at Los Alamitos High and two top 2023 recruits. Five-star athlete Makai Lemon and wide receiver DeAndre Moore, both also out of Los Alamitos. Moore had already committed to Oklahoma. See if these guys join their quarterback at USC. Starting to understand why Riley came to USC, his contract details unconfirmed but posted on Twitter, $110 million. USC buying both of his homes in Norman for half a million dollars over the asking price, so that's basically a $1 million bonus. They are buying him a $6 million home in LA and giving him unlimited use of a private jet 24-7 for his family. Now it's all starting to make sense. And how about Brian Kelly? This guy left Cincinnati for Notre Dame very awkwardly. Now he's leaving Notre Dame for LSU very awkwardly. This guy has lost a lot of friends over the course of his coaching career by the way he's handled these situations. At Notre Dame, he called a team meeting at 7 a.m. to discuss his departure he left campus at 7-11. And Robert Sala shared a story about him and Matt LaFleur while they were working for Kelly at Central Michigan University. Apparently, they thought they were invited to Kelly's Christmas party. They showed up. It turns out that they were just additional help. Parking cars, cleaning up, that sort of thing. They were really upset and unhappy and afterwards returned to their little apartment that they shared with a kitchen and no chairs, and vowed that if they ever rise to the position of authority that Brian Kelly held at that time, they would never, ever treat their staff like that. College football playoffs going into last week, it was one Georgia, two Ohio State, three Alabama, four Cincinnati, five Michigan, six Notre Dame, and seven Oklahoma State. Well, Ohio State lost to Michigan. Alabama barely beat Auburn, beat them in overtime. So what does it mean? The new top five, one Georgia, two Michigan, three Alabama, four Cincinnati, and five Oklahoma State. And I'm pretty certain at this point that the college football playoff is going to be made up of four of these five teams. The question is, can Alabama knock off Georgia to secure one of those spots, stay in that top four? If they lose, someone replaces them, right? Oklahoma State, they play Baylor this Saturday. If they can beat Baylor, I would think it would be them. But what if Georgia beats Alabama as expected? Oklahoma State wins. Alabama falls out of the top four, right? Hopefully Cincinnati doesn't get screwed out of all this. I just got a really weird feeling about this, and I'm sure the Bearcats do as well. Right now, I don't see how Cincinnati leaves that top four, 
but stranger things have happened. Real briefly on college basketball, Duke beat Gonzaga, new number one, hooray, and they turn around and lose to Ohio State. So next week's rankings, there will be a shakeup. I have no idea how it's going to turn out. And the Dodgers, Corey Seager leaving, signing a 10-year, $325 million contract with the Texas Rangers. That means the Dodgers' middle infield next year will be Gavin Lux and Trey Turner. Not too shabby. Loved Corey Seager. Dodgers will be okay, though. Next up, our preview of the Ram-Jags game. It's not every day that you can double your money, but with my bookie, you double your money instantly thanks to their double deposit bonus for all new users. With MyBookie's double deposit bonus, when you sign up at mybookie.ag and use my promo code RAMSUP, you'll instantly receive double your initial deposit so you can kickstart your betting experience with all the best games, leagues, and casino options to choose from. The Patriots are taking on the Bills this Monday night as they continue their quest to reclaim the AFC East title. Buffalo has looked like a legit Super Bowl contender, however. Look for them to cover the spread. Set yourself up for success by doubling your first deposit when using promo code RAMSUP at MyBookie. That's promo code RAMSUP to double your initial deposit all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anywhere, Anytime with my bookie. Let's take a look at this upcoming week 13 game between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Los Angeles Rams. 105 p.m. at SoFi Stadium. Rams lead this series 4-1, to one, the only Jags win coming in overtime in 2009. None of these five games have really stood out to me, but the last time they played was probably worth mentioning in 2017. Rams 27, Jaguars 17 in that one. In Jacksonville, Farrow Cooper returned the opening kickoff 103 yards for a score. Malcolm Brown returned a blocked punt for another score. Leonard Fournette had a 75-yard TD run. Not really a significant game, but the most recent one and an early win in Sean McVay's Los Angeles Ram coaching career. This game, Rams open as 13.5-point favorites. Weather not an issue at SoFi. So what about these Jacksonville Jaguars third? They are 2-9 coming into this game with wins over Miami and Buffalo. Beat Buffalo 9-6. Jags, by the way, are coming off a 21-14 loss to the Atlanta Falcons. They're coached by Urban Meyer. Key draft picks this year, Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback out of Clemson, of course. Walker Little, the tackle out of Stanford. And Travis Etienne, the running back who is out for the year. Key players, Josh Allen, the outside linebacker edge rusher, leads the team with five and a half sacks. Malcolm Brown, a different Malcolm Brown, not the one that returned at the blocked punt. Malcolm Brown, the Jags defensive lineman, very good player. Shaquille Griffin, our old friend from the Seattle Seahawks, is with the Jags now. He sat out last week due to a concussion. I expect him to be back. 
Carlos Hyde. We've seen him a number of times over the years. He's their backup running back behind James Robinson, who is their lead rusher due to the injury to Etienne. Miles Jack, one of the best linebackers in the league. Very disruptive. Cam Robinson, very good offensive lineman. Their leading wide receivers are Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault. Jones leads the team with 529 yards receiving. Robinson, 654 yards rushing. Miles Jack, 75 tackles. And Trevor Lawrence, he's thrown for over 2,300 yards, 9 TDs, and 10 interceptions. So it's been a little bit of a bumpy road. He's going to be a good one, though. Just got to give him some time. Ram connections. Well, this is Jalen Ramsey's first game against the team that drafted him. Jacksonville also has two players who were drafted by the Rams, Dakota Allen, the linebacker, and Tavon Austin, the backup wide receiver. Tavon has 10 catches for 106 yards. One of my favorite Ram players. Yeah, he was a little bit of a bust. Didn't produce the way we hoped, but fun guy to watch. Dangerous player. What to expect when Jacksonville has the ball? Well, well, they've struggled throwing the ball, averaging 208 yards per game. I think they will struggle against the Rams throwing the ball. So a little more respectable running game, 115 yards per game. I expect they're going to try to follow that Green Bay Packer, San Francisco 49er template and try to run the ball, especially on first down, try to get their team in manageable second and third down situations, run the clock, shorten the game. I think it's going to be a challenge for Jacksonville to pull that off, but that's what they have to try to do, in my opinion. Defensively, they're kind of a middle-of-the-pack team, giving up 115 yards per game on the ground, 244 through the air. They have 19 total sacks. I think the Rams are going to be able to throw the ball pretty successfully against this team, especially if Griffin is still out, but I think he will be back. Rams got to get that running game going, but even more importantly, get back in sync offensively throwing the ball. They've had a lot of changes recently, losing Johnny Munt and then Robert Woods and Deshaun Jackson leaving the fold. Hopefully Ben Skowernick will be back. He will help a little bit, add some depth to that wide receiving core, but the Rams are going to have to throw the ball. They need to start throwing the ball effectively and efficiently and that's what I expect them to try to do. It'll be interesting to see if the Rams lean on Daryl Henderson as much as they have so far this season. I really expect that by this time, Sony Michelle would be more of the guy, at least maybe a 50-50 proposition. I'd like to see more Sony Michelle as much as I love Daryl Henderson. I think Michelle's style is needed at times. I'm not arguing for benching Henderson by no means, but I'd like to see Michelle get more opportunities. What are my fearsome four keys to the game? It's getting to be a broken record with the Rams. Fearsome key number one, just play a clean game, for God's sake, for once. No pick sixes. No fumbles deep in your own end. Just play a clean, disciplined game. And that's really all you need to do to beat the Jags, in my opinion. Fearsome key number two, though, would be hold up on first down. That was really where the Niners' success began, moving the ball on first down, setting up very manageable second and third downs, controlling the clock, wearing our defense down. Green Bay tried more the same, I think, and we saw some improvement by our defense. 
but I think there's still room for improvement. And a team like the Jags, we got to shut them down on first down, put them in a tough spot so we can unleash that pass rush. If we can do that, Jaguars are going to have a little chance of winning this game. And fearsome key number three, hey, just get some three and outs. It's more of a long-term goal for this team. We need some three and outs. We need to get the ball back to our offense quickly. It's been one thing that's been missing from this team, even in critical situations. You make a big play on offense, you get back into the game, and then you give up a 14-play drive. No, none of that. Let's get some three and outs. may not be a requirement in this game, but it's something this defense should be striving for, obviously. You know, I don't have a fearsome key number four. I'm going to leave it at those three. Pretty obvious. Clean game. First down defense. Get some three and outs. Those second two are kind of tied together at the hip. That's all we need to do, though. Clean game. First down defense. Three and outs. And I will leave it at that. My prediction, Rams 31, Jags 13. Rams are going to put the ball in the end zone a few times. Defense is going to get back on track a little bit. Need a big win here, and that's what I'm predicting. The Rams improve to 8-4 and four and begin their preparation for a date with the Arizona Cardinals. Football fans, I'm sure we all love action-packed, high-scoring NFL games. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We have a lot to get through in this segment. We are going to share our Elite 8 plus 2 power rankings. We'll follow that up with our game picks. And finally, another episode of Who's Pumped, Who's Pissed, and Who's Perplexed. As far as the power rankings, I was really torn between the Cardinals and Packers for number one. And I settled on the Cardinals For two reasons. One, they have been winning with Colt McCoy. And number two, the Packers beat a Rams team that was really not at its best performance-wise. And they did so at home in cold weather. Impressive Packer win, but I don't think they saw the best the Rams have to offer. The Packers right now, I don't know, I'm going to take the Cardinals. On the other hand, the Packers beat the Cardinals. You know what? Scratch that. The Packers are my number one team. Cardinals are number two. I just talked myself out of that. Number three, the Bucks. Number four, the Chiefs. 
coming on strong. Number five, the Buffalo Bills. Had a couple really bad losses, though. Number six, and I hate to say it, I got the Patriots there. I have a hard time believing they have what it takes to beat the best teams in the NFL when both teams bring their best. But give the Patriots credit. They are on a roll as well on top of that AFC East now. We're going to find out a lot about the Bills and the Patriots in a few short days. Number seven, I have the Baltimore Ravens. And number eight, the Los Angeles Rams. Now, how can I have the Rams ahead of the 49ers? You know, the 49ers match up well against the Rams, and they're playing extremely well right now. The Rams, on the other hand, they don't match up well against the Niners, and they're playing their worst football of the year. But when all is said and done, who is the better team? The Rams. That doesn't mean the Rams are going to beat the 49ers head-to-head, but I think when they get their act together, and they will, they are a bigger threat to make a playoff run than the 49ers. I do have the Niners in my plus two category, Elite Eight. I've given that to you, my plus two, the 49ers and the Colts. And i got to mention a couple other teams here that didn't make my Elite Eight plus two, the Broncos. Hey, you know what? If they find a way to beat the Chiefs next week, the Cowboys, they've been hurt by key injuries. I think they are better than they have shown recently. They just need to get healthy. And the Vikings and Chargers, two teams coming off losses. I'm not convinced we've seen the last of them yet, though. So that's my Elite Eight plus two. Packers, Cardinals, Bucks, Chiefs, Bills, Patriots, the Ravens and the Rams, and the plus two, the 49ers and Colts. Don't sleep on the Broncos, Cowboys, Vikings, or Chargers, though. My game picks last week, not too good. Lost a little bit of ground, went 6-9. and nine. Nothing to write home about, that's for sure. But I'm still nipping at the heels of Mike Florio and Pete Prisco. Lorenzo Reyes, not sure if I'll be able to catch him. But overall, I'm doing okay. Dropped underneath 60%, though. Got to bounce back this week. Who do I have? Cowboys at Saints. I'm going to take the Cowboys in that Thursday night game. Eagles at Jets. Eagles disappointed me last week, but I'm going to roll with them this week. Chargers at Bengals. You know, Chargers Chargers need to win badly. I'm not sure this is the week to get it, though. I'm going to ride with the Bengals. Vikings at Lions. Uh, and by the way, my two bets last week, I split them. I had the Lions plus three over the Bears. Lions lost but covered, so I won that bet. My other bet was Vikings plus three over the 49ers, and I lost that bet. So one and one on my bets. These two teams come together this week. Vikings at Lions. I will take the Vikings. Colts at Texans. I will take the Colts. Broncos at Chiefs. The Chiefs continue their re-emergence and get another win. Bucks at Falcons. This is when the Bucks went on a roll last year, right about now, and they're going to continue with another win here. Cardinals at Bears. I will take the Cardinals. Giants-Dolphins. Dolphins win at home. Defensive struggle. Miami comes out on top. Washington football team at the Raiders. Again, I'll go with the home team, the Raiders. Jags at Rams. Rams will take out three weeks of frustration on the Jags and come out with a big win. Ravens at Steelers. 
Steelers looked horrible last week, huh? Ravens will get the win on the road in a divisional clash that could really go either way. That's how these games go. 49ers at Seahawks. You know, I was tempted to take the Seahawks with Fred Warner and Debo Samuel both out. They're going to be week to week, both of them. But I think the 49ers have too much to play for, and they'll come out with a win in Seattle. Don't be surprised if Seattle comes away with a win, though. And at this point, we should be rooting for them. Their season is over. 3-8. and eight. I don't mind if they win now, especially when they're playing the 49ers. Patriots at the Bills. What an interesting game this is. Are the Patriots trying to reclaim dominance of that division? I don't think the Bills are going to have any of that. Although they did lose their top cornerback, I think they'll find a way to win. I certainly hope so. Bills over the Patriots. We have a very abbreviated presentation of our pumped, pissed, and perplexed. Whose fans are pumped? Whose fans are pissed? And whose fans are perplexed? Well, Denver Bronco fans and Cincinnati Bengal fans are both pumped. Broncos come up with a big divisional win over the Chargers. Bengals come up with a big divisional win over the Steelers. What more could you ask for? They're both in the playoff hunt. If I'm a fan of either of those teams, I'm riding sky high right now. I'll save who's pissed for last. Who's perplexed? Panther fans are perplexed. You lose your running back, Christian McCaffrey, again. Cam Newton looks horrible. I mean, I don't think you're pissed. You're just, just what the heck is going on with this team? Are we ever going to have our best player healthy for a season? What are we going to do at quarterback? No reason to be pissed off at your team or how these games are going. Just perplexed about the whole situation. And Eagles fans on a roll. And then they get the Giants. Let's keep it going, right? And they lose. All is not lost. Eagle fans aren't pissed off yet. But they're certainly perplexed. And Steelers fans. Up and down. One week looking like, hey, you know what? Maybe we are a playoff team. And then just getting clobbered by the Bengals. You could easily put them in the pissed column, but I think they're more perplexed about what they're going to do about their quarterback situation moving forward. I don't know what the answer is there. It's certainly not Big Ben. And two fan bases that are pissed. One is the Tennessee Titans, pissed about how the season has suddenly veered off course. Key players getting injured turning the ball over, getting beat the way you used to win games yourself. And the other fan base, it's our own Los Angeles Rams fan base. I know I'm pissed. I'm pissed at the way this team has performed for a month. I'm kind of pissed about how they came out against Green Bay after a bye week and looked so unsettled, especially on offense. An odd scheme on defense, how they're using Jalen Ramsey, how Matthew Stafford is playing. I haven't given up hope. I don't mean to be negative Nancy here. I think they're going to bounce back and bounce back big. But I'm still pissed that they couldn't find a way to win one of those three games. And if they had won just one of them, if they had just played okay football for one of those games, they come out with a win. Just one game, and they would be in an excellent situation. Right now, it's a little more precarious. I'm not freaking out yet. 
but they need a win real badly. Jacksonville Jaguars show up just in time. But still, got to admit, I'm a little pissed. That's our pumped, pissed, and perplexed segment. Hope you enjoyed it. Time for our weekly sports pet peeve. Now, I could easily spend 10 straight weeks on golf pet peeves. I don't want to do that. I don't want to spend every week talking about golf. So this week, I'm just going to share with you my five biggest golf pet peeves. Like I said, I could probably give you 30, but I'm going to stick to these five. So my first golf pet peeve is the guy who tees off and hits an errant ball and doesn't have a second ball in his pocket. Has to go back to the cart, flush another ball out of his bag, get back up on the tee box, and hit again. Or even in the fairway. Even worse, a guy in the fairway who has separated from his bag because the other guy has the cart doesn't have a second ball in his pocket. I always have at least two in my pocket. Gives you an idea what level of player I am, how high my handicap might be, but Keep two balls in your pocket at all times, okay? My pet peeve number two regards the two guys sharing a cart. One of them hits left. One of them hits right. And now they got to wait their turn to hit. But they drive over to the ball on the left together, and they both sit in their cart, waiting and waiting and waiting. And then when one of them finally does hit, now they drive over to the other ball. Second guy gets out his club gets ready to hit, and finally hits. In these situations, what smart people do is drop off one guy at his ball, make sure he has the right club, and then the other guy drives to his ball. Now, I'm not really overly concerned about how long I'm out on a golf course. I'm really not. I don't get spun up about five-hour rounds, that type of thing. The way I look at it, five hours on a golf course is better than four hours in a lot of cases. But still, you got people behind you in these cases. They're waiting for you. So just be cognizant of that. Drop your guy off at the ball and go to the other one. Golf pet peeve number three. So you finished your hole and you're driving to the next tee box. And as you drive up, you see the other group of four in the middle of hitting or getting ready to hit. Hang back. Don't drive up on them. Unless they're in total weight mode, I guess you can drive up on them in that case. But in most cases, just hang back at least a little bit. Don't cramp their space. That's what I do, and that's what I prefer people to do when I'm hitting. Pet peeve number four. This is all about body language and optics. When you're in the middle of a fairway waiting to hit, there's some guys on the green finishing up. Don't stand over your ball with your hands on your hips, watching them putt, taking practice swings, facing them, looking in their direction the entire time. It's a bad look. A lot of times they're going to interpret that as, oh, look at this guy. He's in a hurry. Can't wait for us to get off the screen here. Don't just stand over your ball, though, and act like you're ready to hit and you're going to hit the second they're off the green. Bad optics, bad look. Don't do it. And pet peeve number five, and this is probably my biggest one. You know, you're in the middle of a fairway waiting to hit or about to hit, and a ball rolls up on you from behind. 
maybe even rolls past you. I don't get mad in these situations. It's one of three things. One, the guy overestimated how far away you are. Number two, he underestimated how far he can hit it. Or number three, he's a jerk and he's hitting into you because he thinks you're playing slow. Chances are it's one or two. Chances are he just got a hold of one. I've been on both sides of this. I've had a ball roll up behind a lady and she went ballistic on me. I was like 30 yards behind her. Too close for her. And then I've had cases where the ball rolls by me. You know, if it happens two or three times, maybe that's when you start giving them some glares, giving them the evil eye, let them know that you don't appreciate that. But if it's the first time, even the second time, it's not really a big deal. Unless you're looking for a fight, unless you're, unless that's something that you actually enjoy, getting angry on a golf course. Now, if a ball goes over your head, that's a little different. That's happened to me a couple of times. That's not cool. Ball's rolling up on you from behind or maybe even rolling past you. Big deal. Give them a salute for a nicely hit ball and move on. So those are my five golf pet peeves, our sports pet peeves of the week. Hopefully we won't come back to golf for a while. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at laramsup.com. And please don't forget, subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of bensound.com and the YouTube royalty-free music audio library, Crimson Fly by Hama Hama.